0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Church in Indian Lake. We're in in the middle of a series called God and Money. And God's showing us some things. And He wants to speak to you today, clearly. And I want to say right up front, this is a redemptive message. Okay, no guilt, no accusation. The Lord is setting things in order. He's setting things in order in lots of things in many of our financial institutions of the world. He's had to set things in order. Um, He's trying to set things in order in our government if we would listen to Him. He's setting things in order in the church. And it trickles down into your individual life and your individual checkbook and your individual financial reports. The Lord wants to set things in order for you. And so today He wants to show us some things. Now I want you to imagine a scenario that you you get in your vehicle and there's absolutely no indicators on the dashboard. So you have no idea how much gas you have. You have no idea what the temperature in your car is. You, You have no accurate way to know how fast you're going. You can't tell if a door is ajar or a trunk is ajar. Every time you get into the vehicle, it's very, very stressful. Now, some of you, you're reflecting on your first car. How many had a car that was kind of like that? That this is Okay, I see some hands. Yeah, this isn't necessarily hypothetical for some of us. My car was very much like that, too. My first car, that is. So, here it is, you know, as a 16-year-old teenager, that might be kind of fun and a good starter car, but obviously, if you're relying on your transportation to get you to work or to get your kids to school or to get you where you need to go that would be extremely stressful to never know when your car is going to quit, to never know when you're going to run out of gas. Every time you get in what's supposed to be a normal trip to the grocery store, to the church, to the school, you're just hoping, hoping that this won't be the time that something goes wrong. Well, I wanted to paint that picture for you because in the financial realm, that's how many of our Our lives are. The way we manage our money, many of us have no indicators in our life. We have no way to know where exactly we are. And so we just kind of hope that by the end of the month, there's going to be enough left in our paycheck to not get overdraft charges. And we just kind of hope that the bill comes in on a Monday instead of a Friday because we're getting paid on that Monday. And and we just we're just kind of guessing and and hoping that that we're going to have enough and that can be very very stressful and be very difficult on us and that's why today the message I want to share with you is the wise and faithful budgeting we're going to look at Luke chapter 12 which is a scripture that has several layers here because you know it's Talking about the coming of the Lord, many think Uh, In our eschatology, it's talking about About an analogy for the coming of the Lord But I don't want us to miss the more practical meaning of it Because see, Jesus told these stories He told parables And the people who heard them They could truly understand what He was talking about And this very simple story For the people who first heard them Gave them great spiritual depth And so with that, I want us to take this story At... At just kind of its, its most simple definition. And it's going to speak to us this morning. The setting is this. is Jesus is talking about a wedding. And at this wedding, the custom of the day was this. The groom, at an unexpected time, would show up at his fiancée's or bride's home and take her from her father. And then, at an unexpected time, he would come back to his home and come back to his estate. And so the servants working for him did not know exactly when that would happen. So Jesus tells a story to illustrate a point and let's look starting at verse 35. He said, Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. That's the first first analogy he's given. Keep the lamps burning. Keep the lights on. Keep ready. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks they can immediately... Open the door for him Verse 37 It will be good for those servants Whose master finds them watching when he comes Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve Now what he's talking about there is this In those days, the, the style of the day was to wear robes And, and of course a belt would, would hold the robes together And they would take the long robes And they would tuck it in their belt So they would be in the position to move quickly so, let's think about this. He's saying, keep the lights on, keep the lamp burning, and keep your clothes ready. Be ready at any minute. You don't know when he's going to come back. You be prepared for the coming of the groom, the coming of your master. And says, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. 38, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward toward daybreak. Now, some of you uh, have the new King James Version, the King James Version, and it says there, even if he comes in the second watch or even the third. The second watch was from 9 p.m. to midnight, which for many of us, that's like prime time. I mean, that's the one time you can uh, watch a TV show or read a book or or check Facebook or whatever the case is, but this was pre-electricity, so... 9 p.m. to midnight was not the greatest time. But then the third watch was midnight to 3 a.m. And that's not a good time for anybody. I mean, that's just a rough, rough time. I went to a, a Christian liberal arts college. It had a religious department. And our religious department had this bright idea to have this all-night prayer meeting. And I got the 2 a.m. Um, chapel. supposed to be in the chapel at 2 a.m., And I remember going across that cold, dark campus, and I was the only one in the chapel. It was the longest hour of my life. Uh, So, he's saying this, no excuses. Even if it's the most inopportune time, it's in the middle of the night, it's the third watch, it's between midnight and three, keep the flame burning, and, and, and keep yourself ready. Keep yourself ready for action. That was the assignment. That was the job. So in verse 39, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house, be broken into. Jesus here kind of changes the narrative just a little bit. He goes from the wedding. Now he's focusing on a hypothetical burglary. So going on to verse 40. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asks, the Lord. Are you telling this parable to us or to everybody? 42. Now, I want you to focus on these words in 42. The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager? We should think of that phrase for a second. Who then is the faithful and wise manager? Because that is a phrase I want you to get in your heart today, especially because we're going to talk in the next few minutes about budgeting. And... Jesus here is, is, is calling for faithful and wise managers. And this unfolds. says, "...whom the master put in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions." And so 45, but suppose the servant says to himself, "My master is taking a long time in coming, and then he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. Let's just pause there for a moment. So you have this picture of the, the master has everything. He owns everything. It's his. But he said to the servant, now, I want you to be a faithful and wise manager. But after a time... Because of a lack of focus, because of a lack of proper attention, because of a lack of priorities, because of a sinful heart. The manager begins to use the master's resources to oppress. He uses the master's tools to oppress other people and to take advantage of others. Just like you and I are prone to do with earthly power and earthly influence and sometimes with our wealth to oppress the poor. To oppress those we have advantages over. And then he goes on into this party lifestyle where he's taking the master's food and he's taking the master's wine and he's getting drunk and he's having parties and he's basically spending what doesn't belong to him. Now I I want you to keep that in your heart and mind because here's what I'm trying to get the point I want to make from this parable is this. Is that God doesn't own 10% of your money. God owns all of your money. It's His. And you are called. When He said, Who is the faithful and wise manager? That is you. Okay? This is not about just getting 10%. This is about managing 100%. 100% of your, your money. 100% of your resources. 100% of, of, of who you are and your talents and your abilities. So verse, verse 46... The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he's not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Isn't that harsh? Uh, I think that the King James said it will asunder him, or sunder him, or uh, something I can't even pronounce to you, but it was just a little cleaner than that. That's really harsh, but, but it, it proves a point, doesn't it? But 48, but one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been, now listen to this, everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. Let, let's let that phrase sink in for a second. For the, the one whom has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Now, these are very muddy statistics, but I've heard this, and I don't see any reason why it's not true that, you know, if we have a home, if you have access to two cars, we're among the richest 10% of the entire world. I wouldn't be surprised if that was higher. So, I'm just going to suggest that most of us in the area of the financial realm, we've been given much. We've been given lots of education. We've been given lots of resources to manage. And we've been given a whole lot. Now, I want to talk to you about worship for a second. I want to give you some pictures of worship. Now, this right here is a picture of worship. We talked about this last month, that the Bible says well over 90 times to lift your hands to the Lord in worship. So we, we do that around here, not because it's our style, our preference. We do that because it's a, it's a biblical directive. So that, that's one style of worship. That's a picture. We, when we think about worship, hands in the air. In fact, uh, when, when we sent out, um, I guess, a reminder about the, about the worship night, you saw hands in the air, because that's a picture of worship. And then then here's another picture for worship. Kneeling before the Lord. To barak the Lord. To kneel before Him. We talked about that last month also. Uh, Another picture of worship that we've been trying to emphasize later is this. You know, giving to the Lord. We don't pay dues around here. There's not a fee to be part of this church. We worship through our giving. We worship through giving the Lord. But now I, I want you need to think about a different picture. And it's going to be a little different from each one of you. The picture is this. It could be something like this, and these are going to be available for you as you leave today. This is a budget sheet where you can write down all your income and all your expenses. For some of you, it, it's a laptop where you use a, a spreadsheet or you have another tool there. For some of you, it could be as simple as your 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 checkbook or whatever the case is. But... The picture of worship is this. Is that just as lifting your hands and kneeling and giving is part of worship, so is, I'm going to suggest to you, budgeting. Budgeting can be part of your worship. And that's why I want you to write the first thing down is this, about budgeting. We're going to suggest being being faithful and wise budgeters. Number one, this is budget for God's glory. Budget for God's glory. You see, if you look at budgeting as a homework assignment, you're not going to want to do it. I don't need any more obligations in my life. If budgeting is just a have to, budgeting is is just this uh, another one of those things that we feel guilty about or, or we say, well, some people are good at budgeting and some people are not. Well, that is a fact but it doesn't change the fact that at some level, all of us should participate in budgeting. And I want you to look at budgeting as an act of worship. Why? Because you understand that all of your money is God's. Every single, every single resource is God. Your house is God's. It's not your house, it's His house. So if you need to open your house for 242 group, if He calls you to do that, you do that. Why? Because it's not your house, it's His house. Your car is God's you need to pick someone up from church because they need a ride, you do that. Why? Because it's not your car. It's God's car. Every single thing you have belongs to the Lord. It is all His because He's the one that gave it to you. And so you give everything back to Him. And so part of your worship as a wise and faithful manager that God is looking for, part of that is changing your perspective on budgeting. And seeing that budgeting is not just for some. And budgeting is not even a have to. But budgeting as Christians is something that glorifies God. And we say, God, everything's yours. And we want to be faithful and wise managers of what you've given us. See, what we do sometimes is we categorize spiritual development into just, just small categories. And there are things that are very important because there are things that I'm passionate about. Bible reading so important. Prayer, worship. Now now we've kind of been introducing fasting to the church. All those are spiritual disciplines. All those things are important. Tithing is a spiritual discipline. But management, we say, God, all that's yours, but management's mine. See, we separate that from Him. And it's a very dangerous place to be. God's saying, no, I want wise and faithful managers of the resources that I've given. I want you to know that everything belongs to me, and because everything belongs to me, I'm going to give you wisdom for that. Here's the second thing I want you to write down is this. is budget for eternity. Budget for eternity. I love, this is not in your notes, you're going to want to write it down. I love the scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Write that down after taking notes. Matthew, under number 2. Matthew 6. 19 and 20. It says it this way. You can read it on the screen if you, if you don't have your Bibles with me. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And 20 says this, But store up for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's one of the things God wants to remind you about is when you budget. You budget for God's glory. You budget because everything belongs to Him. But you also budget in mind that, that we think of money different than people who haven't been redeemed. We think of money different than people who don't belong to Jesus. Because we know this is that every time we invest into the kingdom of God, every time we invest in somebody else, every time that we use our time, our resources, our money to take care of somebody else in the family of God or take care of somebody in need or to build our local church or build the kingdom of God. We know that there has been a deposit in the heavenlies and that deposit is safe and God is keeping that deposit and nothing can take that away. See, we have such a short, short view of life and so we're not supposed to view life as the rest of those who don't know Christ do. See, life is so short. I mean... Neither you nor I are guaranteed tomorrow. And the Bible even says itself, you know, 75 to 100 years are about what we're guaranteed. And so, when you give to the kingdom of God, or you store up treasure in heaven, you see, that connects your heart more to heaven. So when you're you're completely obsessed with just accumulating earthly wealth, and establishing earthly wealth, and establishing earthly things, then your heart gets very disconnected from heaven. Now, here's something that's going to surprise you about budgeting. And it's this. Budgeting actually produces spontaneity. I know you wouldn't think that. Because, see, we we have this um, misconception that if we budget, it's going to take all the fun away. You know, we're never going to be able to spontaneously go to that restaurant or to give a gift or to... To, to donate to something we care about because because we're restricted and and here it is that we don't we don't have the opportunity to be free with our money, but it's actually the opposite it's actually the opposite, and that's why I want you to write down the third point is this is that I'm challenging you to budget for joy budget for joy. See the truth is this is that if we don't have budget then there's no freedom. Because we're always, we're always under the stress of not knowing where our money's going. We're always under a hardship. There, there are no margins in our life for spontaneity or fun. Because the money just disappears. And when we do spend the money on entertainment or a nice meal... Or we do upgrade our car or upgrade our clothes, all things that, that the Lord would not mind us to do, we can't really enjoy it because we're not exactly sure how we're going to pay for it anyway. And so it is that if you begin to look in your life and say, say, I'm gonna budget, and I'm gonna budget for joy, and I'm gonna find out where all my money's going, then it actually is gonna create margins in you for you to have more joy. Now I want you to write down this number if you're taking notes. Write down the number this number. Two thousand and eleven. Two thousand and eleven. The reason I want you to write down that number is because this is what the teaching is about today. It's about the year twenty eleven. Wait, I totally messed up that analogy. (laughs) All right. Can we start over? Rewind? Okay. Can you rewrite the number? 2021. That's what I wanted to write down. 2021. Because this teaching today, is about 10 years from now. See, I'm not here to give a get-rich-quick sermon. We've all heard enough of those, or many of you have. Where it's like, let's see that, that what can happen in the next 90 days or the next 30 days. It's way too short-sighted. What I'm wanting to put in your heart today, and what I want you to hear, is I want you to hear what God can do in your finances 10 years from today, in the year 2021. Where can you be? You see, because I know that a lot of us, this type of message brings stress. And we might think, well, I haven't saved enough, or I haven't been disciplined enough. And it can bring in a lot of fear. And when we're fearful, we shut down. And when we're anxious, we shut down. And then we don't do anything at all. But no matter where you're at, even if you're nearing the age of retirement, or you're at retirement, and you're not where you are financially, don't give up, don't lose heart, because you can still take steps, especially with the leadership of the Holy Spirit, to set yourself up for ten years from now. and, And to know what God wants to do. And there is, in your future, a better day financially. And it comes through focus and hard work and discipline. You know, we don't need, we don't need to portray as spiritual leaders a spirit-filled lottery where we're just hoping that something mystical is going to happen. Yeah, God, I, I said last week, God does, there is something spiritual that happens in our finances. There is something dynamic. But part of that is being disciplined and looking at things over a long period of time. And that's why budgeting is so important. Because God does want you to be full of joy. And He, he, he doesn't want you to dread your financial life. And He wants you to work, if you're married with your spouse, on, on, on having a more joyful life. And having a better financial future. I think about my wife, what she's done over the last 18 months is that she's really worked hard in the area of couponing. If you follow her on Facebook, you know, she'll just announce to the world sometimes, I just spent $130 for $300 worth of groceries, you know. Uh, and uh, she's got you know, people have asked her questions about it. And in fact, uh, in the first weekend of April, we're having a women's conference, which one small component of that conference will be uh, sharing some of these truths. It's not what the theme of the conference is, but that's one small component. And I love Beth's attitude because uh, as a wise and faithful manager over our home and over our finances, she's shown much joy in that. And that's been fun for Beth. And it's been fun for us to see how much money we can save. And it's been fun to share that story with other people. And see, as a church body, we can we can uh, create a culture where we understand We're all trying to be faithful and wise managers. Recently on a Sunday, a a recent Sunday, I I asked someone, uh, another family in church, if they wanted to join us for lunch. But the nature of the invitation, it wasn't uh, going to be us paying for the lunch, which we are able to do sometimes. Uh, But they knew it would kind of be a a Dutch lunch or everyone's going to pay for their own meal. And and they they backed out and said, you know, we're just going to go home today and I said hey cool I understand you know why because I want us to have a culture of as my brother and sister I don't know their financial circumstances I'm just using this as an illustration we want to have a culture that says says, listen we know that being a faithful and wise manager is more important than status symbols or more important than preferences we're all looking over the next 10 years to see how we can become better stewards and we're going to cultivate that culture among our friendships does that make sense and that's what the God wants us to do. Before, before we dismiss today, I want to just give you some, some practical steps uh, that you might have heard these things also from listening to Dave Ramsey or for Larry Burkett. Uh, but I want to share some steps with you, understanding that none of these are a formula that everyone has to follow. But I believe that it will at least uh, generate some dialogue between those that you manage money with and, and uh, among your friends. Uh, the first step I want to encourage you to do, and you can follow along in the bulletin, these aren't blanks, but is to be a giver and to give first. Now, I know that in my finances that um, most of my bills are automatic debited. So on Sundays like this, some of my bills might have already left before I actually gave to the Lord. So um, and, and the way we give monthly and all that, that in the modern days, things are different. But I'm talking about the attitude of your heart, not, not the... Um, the chronology of how you get rid of checks. And the attitude of your heart is this. I'm not going to give leftovers to God. He has it first. I'm going to give to God first. I'm going to believe that, that giving to God is a priority. And wherever you are financially, I think that's the first step to financial health. That's the first step to budgeting is you give to God what He's asked you to give and you're faithful with that. The second thing is this, is to establish a budget. As you leave today, uh, uh, we have something, just just a small tool uh, that you can pick up that uh, is going to produce dialogue in your family and and will help you start a budget. And I I just want to, you might have better, more sophisticated tools, but at least this is a step that as you leave today on the table, take one of these, look over it, and that will be a great starting point for you. Uh, Getting disability insurance and life insurance. This is really important. Because it protects your family's financial future. Uh, when Beth and I were first married, we started uh, getting disability and life insurance. And at that time, we probably didn't really need it. It was just the two of us. But it just became a line item in our budget. And, and really, the younger you can start, the better. Uh, but still, uh, it's going to be important for your family members. Uh, and, and these things do happen uh, that, that we need to be prepared in case God would take someone home early so that the life insurance would cover the mortgage of the house, it would cover the bills. But equally important is disability insurance. You know, our government provides disability insurance that's roughly 40% of what our income is, but additional disability insurance can take you up to about 80% of your income. And once they take taxes out, then your lifestyle is, is comparable. It's about the same. And I have an acquaintance right now. Uh, I met him six years ago. This guy had everything going for him. Three years ago, he had a motorcycle accident and he's in a vegetative state today with two, teenager kid, two, teenage, two teenage kids we were praying for a healing in him. But in the meantime, his wife has had to, had to move on with life. Not She hasn't left the marriage, but she's had to provide for herself and disability would be very, very important for that. I'm talking about long-term disability. Then paying off debt. And I'm, I'm talking about a sequence here. Now, here's the reason that I'm talking about all of this because the Allison family, we're not, we're not, uh, we haven't accomplished every step that I'm going to suggest to you today. But here's the deal we know that the next. Blessing from God that comes from us Because he is going to bless us The next unexpected resource Or unexpected income Or raise and pay Or whatever it is We know where the money is going to go ahead of time Because we're on a plan And that is to pay off debt And there's all types of different ways you can do that You know, a, a great step is to close your credit cards And get rid of those And if you're able to Consolidate those on bank loans So you're not paying on a credit card for the next hundred years So that you can pay it off in the next four to five years And that would be a very good thing Next thing is st- saving for retirement. Again, these are one of those things, the younger the better. But if you get, save for retirement, and, and that's very important. I know a financial planner who you're able to, to uh, invest as little as $50 a month, which I know that sounds like a lot of money, but if you start thinking about that, that's two mils out. Or if you have a larger family, that's one mil out a month that if you defer and instead say, we're going to put that $50 into retirement, The power of compound interest. The power of compound interest in your life. I had a friend of mine who told me one time this. He said he was giving me some financial advice and he had wished that he had had put more in his retirement when he was earlier and he made a statement. He said, you know, he said, Aaron, um, putting money in retirement is better than going out to lunch on Sunday afternoon. And that really hit me. And so there's been some Sunday afternoons where I've said, Beth, we need, let's, let's go on home and let's eat there. That, that's just one thing for me it, that might not be an issue for you. But but I'm trying to get you to think and prepare for all that God has. And we said that let's do the retirement before, the, before we save for the children's college. Why is that? Because your children, once they're in college, uh, th- they can find ways to pay for their college. But what you don't want to do is pay for your kid's college and then... And it'll be a burden for them forever because you didn't do retirement. Uh, uh, not that that would be a burden; that would be a responsibility. But you understand my heart in that. So, so the point is, is that wherever you, wherever you are, it's good to start a retirement. And, uh, and the last thing is estate planning. And I know that me and Beth have had lots of, of of plans about the Allison Foundation and how it develops. I'm just joking. We have not started planning for our estate, um, but but someday the, with the Lord's help we'll do that. So these are all things that that. I want you to budget a budget for the glory of God. Budget for eternity. And budget so your life will be filled with joy. Let's stand together. Let's stand together as we, we move towards the closing in prayer. Now I want to pray over you a spiritual dynamic because I'm aware of something in the area of finances that for many of us fear has just flooded this room. But we're going to pray off that fear right now in the name of Jesus. Because I don't think anything, anything causes us to fear more than our, when we pay, reflect upon our financial future. But you serve a loving and a gracious God, a God who has given you wisdom, and a God who is forgiving, a God who doesn't hold your sins against you. I mentioned this last week as I declared this over you, but I want to say it again because it's true. The same God who paid the debt for your sins, why would he not pay the debt? for a lack of wisdom in your finances the same God who, who caused you to be completely free completely free from the penalty of sin he's going to forgive you and he won't hold against you maybe a lack of wisdom or a lack of understanding in the past he's setting things in order the Lord wants to set things in order and, and right now in these last few moments we have together I want to pray that over you I want to pray that God would set in order your finances Father in Jesus name I pray over my friends God you said perfect love cast out all fear. So, Father, send your love right now. The love of the Lord is upon you. The love of the Father, He is not condemning you. The love of the Father, He is not shaking His head at you. The love of the Father is saying, I am coming in. The Holy Spirit is our helper. You might say, I don't know how I'm going to do the things listed on the bulletin. Listen, you're as a helper named the Holy Spirit sent from God and He's here to teach you. He's going to teach you how to manage your money. He's going to teach you how to spend better. He's going to teach you how to give better. He's going to teach you because He loves you and He has joy in store for you. And there's coming a day when when you think about finances, it will not be undue stress or anxiety. A day of joy is coming where you're going to use the resources of the Lord for His purposes. You're storing up treasure in heaven. There's margin for joy. You have eternity in mind. You're a giver. You're a blesser. You're not a taker. You are a sower. You are one who sows into the kingdom of God. You are one who gives. You are the one that God moves through. That prayer is for every one of you every one of you, that prayer is for you. It's not just for some. It's for you. It's going to be better in the name of Jesus. The comforter has come. The teacher has come. The helper has come. Lord, you've released that. Lord, we cast out fear in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let fear leave this place. In Jesus' name, Lord, break the power of fear in the name of Jesus. Break the power of fear. Let's do, let's do that right now. I want you just, I, I wasn't planning to do this, but the Lord wants to do this right now. I want you just to lift your hands to the Lord if, you, if you're comfortable. Just do it anyway. Or just lift your palms to the Lord, because I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. We break fear off people in Jesus' name. Fear has no authority in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray God that undo anxiety, God. Lord, we pray God uh, a sense of dread for the future, a sense of hopelessness that doesn't belong to God's people. There's freedom in Jesus' name. There's freedom in the Lord. You're breaking the power, the fear of finances, God. Lord, there's a new day coming. We don't listen to what the world says. We don't listen to the prognosticators who will say the things that, that do and dread because we're God's people. We're covenant people. Lord, you're our provider. We know that you will supply all our needs according to your riches and glory. We know that we've never seen the righteous forsaken. Our God's seed begging for bread. We know you give seed to the sower. We know you, you don't withhold any good thing for those who walk up rightly. So we're expecting God blessings. We're expecting raises. We're expecting bonuses. We're expecting unexpected sources of income to come in the name of Jesus. Fear is broken in Jesus' name. If you agree, can we thank the Lord with a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord! There's no fear in you! There's no fear in you! Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church in Indian Lake.